0: Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book.
1: Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you have.
1: Are you seeing the books? Everything you would want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to Reading the Newberries, a team friendship podcast. This is episode 31. We're going to be discussing the book Holes by Louis Sackar, who is the winner of the 1999 Newberry Medal. I am joined today by my fellow podcasters, Lauren. Hello, friends. And Mandalay. What up, friends? And I am Leah. Should have started with that. And we are excited to be here with our first Newberry episode of 2020. (laughs) So, (laughs) I would just like to congratulate us on all of our achievements this year. Yeah. I just think this is the perfect, you know, description of 2020 right here it's it's our one episode yes (laughs) and it's called holes (laughs) (laughs) i mean we did put out some book love earlier we did so that was something we did
2: yeah we've had a few episodes this year but it yeah it's just been that that kind of
1: year it has been i've struggled to get through books at all (laughs) i just and it's silly because we've been stuck inside so much yeah
2: I've gotten through some, but I'm doing better with audiobooks than actually reading books. So I think I'm just having yes. trouble focusing.
1: Same here. Mandy, what about you? Agreed. I've gotten through quite a few picture books this year, though. So, yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we add all those up, that will equal like one adult book. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I don't know. What about you, friends? I would love to hear from you. On, uh, you know, we have Instagram and, and Facebook and email. We'll give you all that info at the end. But let us know how has 2020 been for your reading life? Because I genuinely am curious to know. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yes. happy
2: new year. At the time of recording this, what is today? The 22nd of December? Yes. So. I don't know when I'll get this out, but I'm going to try to get it out pretty soon. Christmas
0: gift from exactly. us to you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we should just jump right into our book discussion. Let's do it. So we are going to be discussing Holes by
2: Louis Sachar, And just, you know, a warning, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, I guess, we will be spoiling the book I guess so if you haven't read it and you don't want to be spoiled stop this and go read it and then come back okay we'll be here we'll be here <laughs> waiting so <laughs> when are
1: they gonna come back <laughs> <laughs>
2: alright so here is the summary of Holes by Louis Secker. Holes is the story of Stanley Yelnats the 4th and his last name is his first name spelled backwards, which is known as a palindrome. He is falsely accused of stealing a pair of shoes and is sent to Camp Green Lake, which is a juvenile detention center. At this camp, the kids are forced to dig holes five feet wide and five feet high every day. The reason given for why they are digging holes is to build character, but the warden of Camp Green Lake is secretly looking for something. Stanley blames his bad luck on his no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather, Elia Jelnats. When Elia was a young man in Latvia, he makes a deal with the fortune teller in his village named Madame Zaroni. She gives him a pig to give to the father of the girl in the village with whom he is in love. She tells Elia to carry the pig up the mountain to drink from the spring every day so the pig will grow strong and fat. After giving the pig to the girl's father, Elia must return and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain to drink from the spring so that she too can be strengthened. If he does not do this, he and his family will be cursed forever. When Elia goes to ask for the hand of the girl he loves, he realizes that she does not feel the same about him. Angry, he flees the country and sails to America, and he forgets to go back and carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. And the Yelnats family is cursed. Elia's son, Stanley Yelnats I, becomes quite wealthy in America. Unfortunately, he was robbed by the outlaw known as Kissin' Kate Barlow and left for dead in a desert in Texas. He survives, but the curse continues to haunt the Yelnats family. Stanley Yelnats III, Stanley's father, is an inventor who is trying to find a way to recycle old tennis shoes, I think, which makes their apartment incredibly smelly. And so far, his attempts are unlucky, and it's all because of Stanley's no-good, dirty-rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. The individual stories of Stanley, his great-great-grandfather, and and Kate Barlow are interwoven throughout the book. Who really stole the shoes? What is the warden looking for? Will Stanley's family be cursed forever? By the end of the book, all these questions are answered, and the reader learns how the three stories are all connected and a very satisfying conclusion. That was impressive. Well, thank you. I know that was kind of long, but mine was way shorter than the one in the Newberry Prince companion book. So you're welcome. Thank you. Also, I didn't really give away too many spoilers there, so, but I'm sure we will, yeah, talk about those later on.
0: Our good friend Lewis here was born in 1954. He is known as an American young adult mystery comedy author, and he is best known for his Wayside School series and Holes. Holes was ranked sixth among all children's novels in a survey from 2013. So it is still, even today, a beloved book. Fun fact. He graduated from UC Berkeley in 1976 with a degree in economics. Um, I believe he also went to law school. He did. Yes. I believe 76 is when he started working on Sideways Stories from Wayside School, which is a children's book. It says it has supernatural elements. So I'm kind of interested in this. This is sounds like something right up my alley. So I may be checking that out eventually.
2: Yeah, I've never read those books, but it sounds pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty sure he based the characters off of kids he knew in real life.
0: Yes, slightly, but also he made a comment about how about how he had to make a lot of stuff up that <laughs> there's not as much from like personal experience as people think is pretty much what he was alluding to. <laughs>
1: Well, what did you guys think of the book? Uh, I enjoyed it. I read it a while back, and so I just refreshed the audiobook. Doesn't take that long to listen to, so that's how I digested this one. It's a lot more gruesome than I remembered, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because like now I have a child, and so I'm thinking about like an actual child reading this book. I don't know. I didn't remember that much like gore and like sadness, but. It's just a very exciting tale. I think it's a great way to get boys into reading, for sure, that are looking for action and adventure, but obviously girls can like it too. Lauren, what did you think of the book?
2: I really like this book. It's probably one of my favorite Newbery books that we've read. I read this back when I was in college for a, um, a children's literature class I was taking, and I had seen that there was a movie, but I hadn't actually seen the movie. So I wasn't really familiar with the story, but I just, in my head, I thought, oh, if there's a movie about it, it must not be a very good book. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Because <laughs> I think I saw it on the Disney Channel or something. Yes. And so yep. I was just like, well, okay, well, I have to read this for school. And I was just like, pleasantly surprised. And it's the type of book that sucks you in right away Mm -hmm. and you just want to know what's going to happen and it was just I don't know it's just a really fun story
1: yeah I think I was the same as you I didn't want to read it because of the Disney movie because the Disney movie was fine but just really silly and um, Shia LaBeouf is LaBeouf, LaBeouf is the main character like back when he was still on even Stevens I think was about that age yeah. And so it's just kind of ridiculous. Um, and I don't, I think they stayed true to the story, but.
2: Yeah, I actually watched the movie last night and I think it's the first time I've ever watched it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's actually very true to the book. And I think that's because Louis Sekar wrote the screenplay so oh. it always well, that's helps cool. yeah I think it always helps a movie when the a- actual author of the book writes the screenplay
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah I there were very very few differences between the movie and the book I actually think this is probably Disney's best adaptation of a Newberry book
1: well congratulations <laughs> oh.
0: Disney congratulations I really do. yeah they have a chance to outdo themselves in the future here oh <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, with Flora and Ulysses, which is my favorite Newbery Medal book. So my
1: That's expectations are pretty low. It
2: is my favorite. I love that book. I love it so I much. Agree. Yeah, they're gonna. It's a gonna be a Disney Plus movie, right? I believe yes. so. Yeah. So we shall see how it mm-hmm. goes. <laughs> but anyway, no, I thought the Holes movie was. I thought it was pretty good, actually. I was pretty impressed, so.
1: That's awesome. I, I think I watched it, like, back when it came out. Mm-hmm. So it's been a yeah, long time. Yeah, and I <laughs> think, like,
2: back then we watched Even Stevens, and, like, his character on Even Stevens is just, like, this ridiculous, silly mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. and so I think we probably brought that in to watching right. the movie, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's why I never really watched it, because I was like, oh, well, he's kind of ridiculous, so. I don't want to watch (laughs) this movie, you know? But it's actually a good movie, so. (laughs) Well, I really like this book for so many reasons. And yeah, Leah, like you were saying, there's just a lot of heavy themes in it even though it is a super fun read it does have right. a lot of heavy themes in it like there's there's racism in it there's murder <laughs> so
1: murder well oh, and like the um what do they call her the warden she's always threatening to kill the children <laughs> and yeah like, that's kind of scary <laughs> <laughs> it is scary so I mean that's I guess we you, did you mention that in the in your little intro that he sent to this work camp so there's the warden yes. and she's definitely she has a, uh, a hidden agenda that no one knows exactly what it is I, what do you think of her in the book Lorraine
2: I mean she's I would say she's kind of the main villain right mm-hmm. in this story for sure she's very scary <laughs>
1: mm-hmm she paints her fingernails with what is it snake venom
2: yeah rattlesnake venom
1: Yikes. ew yeah so she can like claw people and make them sick this does not sound like a book for children right <laughs> that's what i was thinking but i think we've already discussed in the past like obviously kids have their own lens that they're looking through and we're looking through it like what in the world <laughs> is happening to these children <laughs>
2: No, I think it's a good book for just for reading with your kids or Mm -hmm. reading with like a classroom of students because there's so many good discussions, I think, that you can have. Like you can talk about injustice, the American justice system. Like these types of like camps, I know that this is like sort of like almost hyperbolic, but like these types of camps and like detention centers actually, you know, There's privately owned detention centers in America. I don't know if people know that. But, like, this is a thing that actually happens in our country. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, like, that's a direction you could go with your, you know, if you're reading this with your own kids or if you have a classroom of students. Like, that's something you could, like research you know because of this book like let's research some of this stuff that you know how much of this kind of thing goes on in america where Mm -hmm. these kids that are you know at these detention centers are forced to do work or for you know forced to do things for the
1: people who own these detention centers and i don't know it's probably too much to get into um on a children's book podcast, but even our our prison system is set up to be these kind of work camps, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is injustice there. And yeah, I don't want to get
0: all into that, but.
2: I don't really want to either, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mention it.
0: Something to reflect on.
2: Well, I just, I think it's a direction that if you are reading this with
1: your kids,
2: that's a direction mm-hmm. you can go with them. And this is a good yeah. book to to open up that conversation
1: yeah especially, I think, as a child growing up, you just assume that all authority has your best interest at heart. and so, um mm-hmm. when you open their eyes to this world where these kids don't have that parental protection over them, you know, and people are taking advantage of them that are supposed to be supposedly helping them, yeah, like you said, it's an eye opening and can open a lot of conversations up. I think for me, like hearing about zero so danley goes to this work camp and we meet a group of young men that are all in the work camp for various reasons but there's one kid his name is zero he doesn't have parents he was homeless before he came to this camp he um is supposedly you know just this horrible thieving child that no one cares about he doesn't know how to read or write but he's good at math, so that's why they call him Zero, right?
2: Is that why they call him Zero? It's part of what is his last
1: name. Him. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. But just hearing about him and then like he's a ward of the state is one of the things they were saying. And my husband and I are doing foster care, and the just that phrase, ward of the state, has always felt so heavy to me. And so to hear that discussed in a safe place for kids I think could be really, really helpful to even learn what that means and that there are kids out there that don't have parents looking out for them and his story was just Mm -hmm. like heart-wrenching like as a parent now or an adult you know like it was kind of hard to listen to but
2: so when stanley goes to this camp He's put in like this cabin with a group of boys, and they all have their own nicknames for each other. We've got X-Ray, Armpit, Zero, Squid, Magnet, Zigzag. <laughs> they all have their <laughs> names for various reasons. And Stanley earns his nickname of Caveman. And it takes him a while to like begin to fit in with these boys. Like At first, he's sort of like the new guy and the outsider, but eventually he earns his place and they all become, you know, good friends, comrades, or whatever. So that was, I like that part of the, the story. So if you remember from my, my book description, you remember that Stanley's great-great-grandfather, he had made this deal with Madame Zeroni back in Latvia, and he was supposed to carry her up the mountain, but he doesn't, he forgets. And so that's supposedly why their family is cursed. Well, we find out that Zero's real name is Hector Zeroni. And so, like, as a reader, you're starting to sort of put all these pieces together.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
2: Yeah. And so, Stanley is, Stanley sort of takes Zero under his wing, and they make a deal that zero is going to dig stanley's holes for him in exchange for stanley teaching him how to read but then the warden finds out that stanley's digging or that zero's digging stanley's holes and i don't they're gonna punish him or something and he just like has had it and he's like i'm not digging any more holes i'm done digging holes and then he just takes off Mm -hmm. And they don't go after him because he's a ward of the state and no one's going to come looking for him. Nobody cares about him. So they destroy his files and they're just like, well, he's going to be buzzard food, basically, because it's this huge desert that they're in. There's no there's no water for miles. There's nothing for miles. So Mm -hmm. so Stanley ends up going after him. And um, finds him and realizes that, he, you know, Zero isn't doing well. And he remembers the story of when his great-grandfather, who had been robbed by Kissin' Kate Barlow, the way that he had survived, because she, she robs him and leaves him for dead in the middle of a desert. That's all he knows. But he remembers that his grandfather survived because he says he went to the top of this mountain and he calls it god's thumb because the top of the mountain looks like a thumb and so while he and zero are out wandering around he sees this mountain and he's like that's shaped like a thumb that must be that must be it (laughs) and so he's like we need to get to the top of that mountain so he ends up carrying zero to the top of this mountain because zero is just very sick and um not doing well And so he gets to the top of this mountain, and he carries him up there, and it's almost like this weight has been lifted off of him. He can feel a difference, you know, (laughs) because Stanley Yelnats has carried
0: Hector Zeroni up the mountain. So he did the thing that was supposed to be done. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly. He does (gasps) what his great-great-grandfather didn't do.
1: You guys... to back up a little bit, like as they were digging, was it Stanley that found the, the Stanley or Zero, one of the two, found the lipstick that looked like Kissing Kate's lipstick, right? Is that what yes, they found? it like had a her two?
2: initials on it, yeah.
1: And so Stanley starts to put two and two together that the warden is looking for this treasure that Kissing Kate supposedly buried out in this desert, which used to be a lake. So... That's kind of the lead up. And then Stanley kind of fulfills this family curse that was put on them. And so he decides that once he and Zero can gather their strength, that they could try to go back and find this treasure. So on the top of the mountain, while they once he's carried him up there... He realizes that there's, like, greenery and bugs and gnats and things that they haven't been seeing down in the desert part. So he realizes there must be some sort of water up here. um, And they have no water, no food. All they had was this weird, like, sludge stuff that Zero found that he, what did he call it? Um, (laughs) Um, Sploosh. Sploosh. That's what it was. Sploosh.
3: Ew.
2: Yeah, so throughout the book, like we're we're getting told like basically three stories at once. Yes. We're getting Stanley's story of him digging his holes, and then we're getting his great great grandfather's story, and then we're also getting Kissing Kate Barlow's story, like how did she become an outlaw? All of that. And so that's kind of where the the racism comes in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So Camp Green Lake is on It used to, you know, a hundred years ago, it used to be, there used to actually be a lake there. So it was called Green Lake, this town, this little village. Kissin' Kate was the school teacher in the town. And there was a man in the town named Sam. He grew onions and he could make medical remedies out of onions. And so he would trade um, his onions with, her name was Catherine, because she would make She would can peaches, I think. And so they would trade and then like he would do stuff for her. He would fix up the schoolhouse for her. And eventually they fall in love. Well, the problem is, is she's white and he's black. And at that time, that was illegal. And so the most wealthy family in town, the son of that family, kind of has a thing for Catherine. But she obviously doesn't, she doesn't like him. She likes Sam well he catches them kissing and so he gathers the rest of the town up and they end up burning the schoolhouse down and oh, killing no. sam and his donkey which oh, I like no. really you got to kill his donkey and so that sends her over the edge and like and everybody's like when she's like running around trying to get people to help her like hey they're burning the schoolhouse down she goes to the sheriff and they're all like, "Why don't you kiss me? You kissed, you kissed him. If you can kiss Sam, like you wow. can kiss any of us, you know." And so, she gets mad and becomes an outlaw, basically. And so, kind of her thing is every man she kills when she's out robbing banks and stuff, she kisses them and leaves like hmm. her lipstick marks on them. So that's how she gets her name, Kissing Kate Barlow. Hmm. So she eventually robs Stanley's great-grandfather, the Stanley Yelnats I, and she doesn't kill him. She just leaves him for dead. So everything that she's stolen, I guess, she ends up burying in the middle of this dried-up lake. And I can't remember the guy's name. The guy from the town that wanted to marry her that she wasn't interested in, he marries someone else, and they come out and find her in the desert And they're like, tell us where your treasure is. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. Your family can dig holes out here for a 100 years, and you're never going to find it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so we find.
0: (laughs) That was a really good impression.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'm not going to tell you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And also, there's these. So there's rattlesnakes out there. But the thing that is most to be feared out here in this dried up lake desert is the yellow spotted lizards. Because if you get bitten by one, you will die. There's no cure and you'll die a slow and painful death. Hmm. And so as Kiss and Kate Barlow sitting there, you know, telling these two people, like, you're never going to find my treasure She's like, you can kill me. And they're like, we're not going to kill you. We're going to torture you, basically. And so she, uh, one of those lizards walks by. So she grabs it and has it bite her so she'll die. Hmm. And we find out that the warden is a descendant of the that guy and his wife who were, like, the town owners, basically. When she was young, she was forced to dig holes. And so, like, she's just kind of, like so crazy about finding whatever this treasure is like that's all she cares about and like it's like kind of made her this terrible person yes
0: so it's like a mystery book with like with like a legend core
2: yeah it's like got like folk tale legend it's it's just really really cool and i'm sorry i'm really bad at like retelling stories (laughs)
0: Again, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat.
2: Well, thanks. I'm just <laughs> I'm going to have a real fun time editing this. But yeah, I love that there's like this Wild West story hidden. It's almost like it's hidden inside the book.
0: I'm getting like this Pecos Bill vibe.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, we have like all these stories kind of interwoven together and then yeah, by the time you reach the end of the book, you figure out how all of these things are connected.
1: So, back to the top of the hill. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Cyril and Stanley, they make it to the top of the hill. Stanley finally finds... Um, what he thinks is the source of the water, but it's dark out. So basically, he just digs and digs and digs until he finds something he thinks is water. Starts drinking it, giving like pouring it onto Zero's face because Zero is like throwing up and all bent over and like very, in very, very bad condition. And so he gives him some water. And then he, as he's digging, he finds something and he's fairly certain it's an onion based on the smell. And then he takes a bite of it and it was very strong. So he gives it also Ew. to Zero. So he keeps digging and digging and there's just onions, like tons of onions up there. And so they live on onions and like dirty water for a while. And then he finally, long story short, gets the shovel that he'd forgotten at the bottom of the hill and digs out some more water. So they've gotten (laughs) their strength back and decide to go back under the cover of night and try to dig where they found the lipstick tube that they were pretty sure was kissing Kate's so they could find the treasure and then basically escape. And so they... They go back, and they start digging in in the hole for the treasure. So they're digging, and all of a sudden, they hit what they think is the treasure box, and they start getting it out, and then all of a sudden, the warden and her lackeys show up and shine the spotlight on them, and she's like, oh, thanks, you found my treasure. Thanks, you found my treasure. Hand it over. And then as they shine the light on them, they realize that the boys are covered in those um, desert lizards or whatever they are. And so obviously the grown ups are very scared. The the children are very scared because they're covered by the poisonous lizards, but they're not biting them. And so it They're turns-
0: protecting them.
1: <laughs> well, it turns into this standoff. Basically the adults once again decide the warden says, Well, we'll just let the the desert are they lizards? Is that what they are?
2: Yeah, they're the yellow spotted yes. lizards.
1: So, all I can think of, I was thinking like geckos. That's not it. This is not a Geico commercial, <laughs> everybody.
3: <laughs>
1: so, the desert lizards will do the job, says the warden, and we'll just, you know, bury the bodies and make up excuses for why, you know, uh, Stanley's missing and no one cares about this other kid because he's a ward of the state. So, they're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, in the process of waiting, we find out that there is uh, an attorney there to get Stanley. And I don't know if they say who the other person is, but it turns out he is a Texas like law official. I can't remember what they call him. And so as they're waiting and waiting and waiting, those two people come out and discover what's going on. And they're obviously very upset with the warden that she is letting these kids just, I don't know, die, basically. And all of this stuff becomes open to the lawyer and the Texas official that the warden has been abusing these kids, that there's some sketchy stuff going on. So in the meantime, Stanley and Zero work up the courage to like get up and come out of the hole and the lizards just leave them alone. So in the process of the flashback, we find out that it's the onions that are saving them. That there was this, the the peddler guy uh, would sell his onion potion to people who were going to go out into the desert uh, because it would protect them from these lizards. And so because they lived on onions, they were protected from the lizards and they got to keep the treasure and escape the terrible warden person. And there was going to be an investigation and, you know, everything, the, the day is saved.
2: This is so exciting.
1: So the warden's like, Well, that's my treasure. Yeah.
2: It's my property. That's my treasure.
3: And oh, yes, Zero, yes.
2: who they still think can't read, says, No, it has Stanley's name on it. And she's like, Well, you can't even read. And, but sure enough, they see it has Stanley Yelnats mm-hmm. written on it because it's the treasure chest that Kits and Kate Barlow stole from Stanley's great grandfather.
0: So he's a rich man now. Yeah. Does he live happily ever after?
2: He does. So since he, you know, broke the curse, he takes Zero with him and he splits the treasure with Zero. It ends up being worth quite a bit of money. And so Zero is able to hire private investigators because he knows his mom is out there somewhere. He just can't find her. And so he finds his mom. And then in the meantime, Stanley's dad, who's, you know, trying to invent anything (laughs) he invents a um a formula that gets rid of foot odor basically and so they become rich because of that invention so and another thing we learn in the story is that zero is actually the one who stole the shoes it wasn't stanley and but he didn't know that they like Hmm. the the reason that they these shoes are important The shoes were at a homeless shelter, and it turns out that a famous baseball player had donated his shoes to be auctioned off at this homeless shelter. And so Zero is there because he's homeless, and he sees the shoes, and he didn't know, I don't think he knew they were for an auction or something. He just thought they looked cool, and so he took them. And then when he realizes, oh, I'm being chased by police, that's when he throws them and that's when they land on Stanley and Stanley is the one who gets accused of stealing them. So, there's almost like this sense of fate or destiny like that they were
3: mm-hmm.
0: brought together. It's so fun. Yeah, I the ending is just
1: really sweet that Zero finally gets, you know, his home and safety and Stanley is, you know, justified basically. Mm-hmm. And then his dad finally has some set success because he's just this struggling inventor that, you know, hasn't really been able to succeed and they blame it on the no good, whatever, grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, you know, a happy, sweet ending. And I think it, like Lauren said, it addresses a lot of heavy topics, but obviously still in the safety of a middle grade book. I really enjoyed it. It was exciting to listen to. And I'm glad that I, I listened to it again because it's a fun read.
2: Yeah, I just love all like, the themes in it. The, mm-hmm. the destiny, fate, the folktale like nature of it and you could also i mean there's so many different things you can discuss with kids with this book like you can talk about the choices that you make and that there's consequences and you can talk about the all the injustice that happens in this book and you know how how should we treat other people even like how should we treat people that because other than stanley all the boys in this camp had for real committed crimes right does that mean we can treat them like dirt? Exactly. You know, like, exactly. I don't know, like, just just because somebody has made a bad choice doesn't mean that we get to dehumanize them, basically. So, yeah, there's just so many different directions yep. I think you can go. And, but one of my, like, I just love this this theme of redemption, though, that's in mm-hmm. this story. And, like, Stanley does what his great-great-grandfather you know, didn't do or couldn't do. And because of that, his family is redeemed. You know, the curse is broken. And who does that remind us of?
1: Right, right.
2: Like, that's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have Adam who didn't do, he couldn't do what he was supposed to do. He couldn't keep the law. And all through history, his descendants can't keep the law. And finally we have the Messiah, Jesus, who does what Adam couldn't do, what none of us Mm -hmm. could do. And because of that, the curse is broken. Mm -hmm. So I just love that. Like, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Louis Sacker is a Christian, but I love that there's so many, like, themes of redemption in literature. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's amazing to me that even these authors who may or may not be Christians continue to write this story over and over and over again. And I love that we can take these stories with our kids and say, okay, in this, you know, quote unquote, secular piece of literature, we can still see Jesus. We can still see redemption. And I just love that.
1: So we grew up not being able to read Harry Potter. Um, It just wasn't. It wasn't okay. Okay. In the circles we grew up in and so reading that as an adult I was like absolutely <laughs> just amazed by the blatant redemption redemptive scene at the end of Harry Potter like it couldn't be more clear that a yeah. friend lays down his life you know for others yeah. like that is love that is what redemption is all about and I just it's so funny to me that, like, we weren't allowed to read it and then I read it and all I could see was Christ at the end. <laughs> like. Right. But, you know, it is amazing to see the redemptive themes throughout this story. And I, I love this kind of format of several st- stories being woven together. I think that's a pretty um, popular way of storytelling, even right now in, like, adult fiction or the last time I read adult fiction, (laughs) 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 I was enjoying the books that would kind of do, um, you start in the future and then it goes back and then you're watching all the different stories like weave together into where they are now. And I kind of felt that way with this book as well. Um, It's very interesting because it's always bobbing and weaving and you don't know where it's going to end up.
2: Yeah, anyway, I don't know. I that's kind of all I had written down to talk about. I do think it would be a great book if, you know, if you have a, a a boy that's, you know, not really interested in reading or can't seem to find anything that interests him, I think this would be a great book, but it's good for girls too, you know. For sure. And yeah, most of the characters in this book are male, but it does have some pretty strong female characters. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for good or for bad,
3: they're, yeah. they're
1: there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if any of our listeners have read this with your kids. Like, what themes did they pick out? What questions did they have? You know, did it open discussions for you? I don't know. I like hearing things like that, just knowing how kids process things, because obviously we see it through our adult eyes and it's a little bit intense in parts, but I don't know. I'd mm-hmm. love to hear. Hear what your kiddos thought of it.
2: I did want to go back to the movie adaptation of Holes, and Mandy, I would encourage you to watch the movie. I I don't think you're going to read the book. What makes you say that, Lauren? Well, I don't know. (laughs) You just don't read books, and that's okay. But the movie, again, it's one of the best. It's not even for Disney. Like, it's one of the most accurate book adaptations I've ever seen, I think. So, but yes, it was produced by Walden Media and Walt Disney Pictures. It came out in 2003. And again, the screenplay was written by Louis Sackar himself, so I really think that that helps a lot <laughs> when the mm. author of the book writes a screenplay. And Louis has a cameo in the movie. So.
0: Ooh. I love when that happens.
2: Yeah, so fun. So yeah, there's a few big names in it. I mean, yeah, Shia LaBeouf. I'm pretty sure this was his first um, movie role. I don't know if you keep up with him at all, but he's... Uh, He's not really turned out to be the greatest human being in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That's putting it kindly. Um, Mm. But yeah, um, Sigourney Weaver um, plays the warden. John Voight is one of the characters. And then for all my fellow West Wing fanatics, Dulé Hill is a character in the movie as well. Or psych fanatics. Yes, psych, yes. (laughs) Which
0: is more likely.
2: (laughs) Oh come on, West Wing
0: guys. (laughs) Oh boy. We'll we'll put up a vote for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. But anyway, if
2: you have Disney Plus, it is on Disney Plus. And if you don't, I would say go to your local library and see if they have it.
1: Well, Lauren, would you like to tell us about the Newbery honor books from the year 1999? Sure, Leah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would also like to hear about them. No, just me. It's just for me.
2: (laughs) Well, there was only one this year in the 1999. Wow. And this honor went to A Long Way From Chicago by Richard Peck. Hmm. He might sound familiar because mm-hmm. we read another book by his that actually won the Newbery called A Year Down Yonder. So, A Long Way From Chicago is actually the first book in that series. So, he got an honor award for that and then his next book in the series won the won the medal. So, look at that. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Mandy, you get to pick the next book whenever we decide to do another episode.
0: I do, and I have chosen. It is, I don't know what year it's from, but I have chosen Miss Hickory by Carolyn Sherwin Bailey. All right. 1947. 1947. There it is. Whoa, you went with an old one. I did, but I read the description, and it it sounds cute and and like it's a good book. So,
2: well great. I'm excited to read this. Like I for real am.
0: Well, good, Lauren.
1: <laughs> Are you usually lying to us when you say you're excited? <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> Cuz it sounds like it. No, I just like haven't been excited to really read anything lately. So, all right. I don't maybe it's just the thought that we're reading this together. You know, I don't know. Aww,
1: this looks cute.
0: Oh, did you look it up?
1: I'm just reading the back of it, and it looks very cute. She's a doll made of applewood and a hickory nut. And a nut.
0: hickory nut. She lives Aww. in a tiny dollhouse made of corn cobs.
1: And her neighbors, crow, bullfrog, and groundhog, are can help her.
2: You guys... I'm loving this already.
3: It's so cute. <laughs> I want
2: a Miss Hickory doll. Can it come with a doll? Maybe there's like instructions in the back of the book on how to make your own. Better. Sometimes, Sometimes these types of Miss books Hickory. do that. And if not, I'm sure, you know, the internet has many I will
0: send it back. DIYs. <laughs> and if not, we'll figure it out ourselves. All right, guys. Let's let the
1: people know how to get in touch with us if they so choose.
0: You can email us, teamfriendshippodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, teamfriendshippodcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash teamfriendshippodcast.
1: And you can visit our website, teamfriendshippodcast.com.
2: You can find me on Instagram at JediReader1138.
1: I'm on Instagram, RedHeadedReader.
0: Oh, and I am also on Instagram at Reader. Well,
2: Merry Christmas, and we will see you all on another time.
0: And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book. Ever.
2: Well, I will start by reading the book description, which I wrote myself this time. I'm not taking it from anywhere else. So these are my, this is, I took it as like I was writing my own book report.
1: I haven't written one of those in a long time. Good job, Lauren. Thank you. That was impressive. Well, thank you. I think you could get a job (laughs) as a book Summarist. Well, thank you, Leah. That's very <laughs> kind of you.
2: That will be my new job, is a that book summerist. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, people now. have to people have to write like book jackets and stuff. So, Leah, I'm just gonna let you take it from here because no one wants to hear my voice
0: anymore. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Go to the desert, Leah. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone fetched me a book.
2: Thanks for listening, everyone.
3: Peace out.